And good to have you all here this morning. Turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 3. And while you're turning there, let's just pray and ask God to speak to us this morning and open our hearts to hear what He has for us to hear today. Father, we thank You that the Word of the, of the Lord has the capacity to shine into our hearts and, Lord, to help us and guide us, but to bring revelation to our life so we can know better how to serve You. Lord, let the Word of God make a difference in our life today. And everybody said, Amen. I want to talk to you today about a topic called what God is looking for. Did you know God is on the lookout for some people in the world today? In fact, He may be looking for you. And this morning, I'm going to share with you some things about what God is looking for. Before I do that, let me just throw this out today. Today is Veterans Day. Uh, and if you're a veteran uh, from any particular armed services today, and you're here today, do we have any veterans in the house? I know at least one. All the veterans stand up. Where's our veterans? There we go. There we go. Where's Daniel? Daniel's a veteran. Daniel's somewhere. Amen. Let's get, come on now, let's really give them a hand. God bless you guys. Thank you, Robert. Amen. We really do appreciate you guys and ladies for, for being willing to uh, put your life on the line for uh, what we enjoy here in America today. And we appreciate you, Robert, and all the others, Shannon and others. Thank you so much. And Daniel somewhere. Uh, and so God bless you today. And let's continue to pray not only for our veterans, but for those that are on the front lines, continuing to, to uh, stand uh, in behalf of us across the world for freedom and, and, and liberty uh, that we enjoy today. So God bless you. Thank you so very much. Uh, and so today, what, what God is looking for, you know, in Genesis chapter three, the story is this. If you, you probably remember, the story is this. God created who? Uh, who were the first man and woman? They were Adam and Eve. Good. You got a hundred so far on your test. And so they were in the garden of, there you got it. You're still at a hundred. Okay. And as they were enjoying the goodness of the Lord in the garden of Eden, uh, somebody showed up. Who was that? In the form of a serpent. You're getting good. You're good. And the serpent deceived Adam and Eve. And they did what? They, they sinned. Okay. And from that day until now, God and mankind, humanity, have been separated because of sin. That's the sin problem in the world. And in that story, when they sinned, the revelation came to them, Adam and Eve, and they realized that they were sinners and they were not right with God. And so what did they do? They all realized that they were naked. They made, you know, fig leaves to cover up. They felt, they felt dirty. They felt sinful. And they hid themselves from the Lord. And as a result, the Bible, as God did with them, the Bible says he was walking through the garden and they were hiding from him. And God posed this question to Adam and Eve. And he said this, there it is on the screen. Where are you? Everyone say, where are you? And from that day until now, God has been on the lookout for humanity. Trying to reconnect with them and reestablish them in a relationship with him. And that's the whole reason Jesus came. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But 
Today, I believe God is looking for all of us on some level or another, and, and He has a plan for our life. And, you know, when I look at Scripture, I see at least four kinds of people or four characteristics that God's looking for in people. He's on the lookout for you, and I hope today that you fit the bill for what He's looking for. How many of you want to be what God is looking for? Amen. I believe you are, and today I want to share very simply those four kinds of people that God is on the lookout for. The first one is this, God is looking for someone to save. I said, God is looking for someone to save. And as I said, that's the whole purpose of Jesus Christ in the earth. Now, listen. Here's why Jesus came. The Bible says in Luke, I believe it's Luke, uh, (coughs) really in a couple of the gospels, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Bible says this, for the son of man, that's Jesus, the son of man has come to do what? To seek and to save that which was lost. And so the purpose of God in the earth is to, and the reason Jesus came is to seek and to save that which was lost. How many of you today can testify to the fact like these who were baptized this morning that that Jesus found you? Amen. You know, sometimes we say, well, I found the Lord. Well, the Bible teaches that he allowed himself to be found by us. Amen. It's his mercy and grace. Let me try it again because it was kind of mediocre. How many of you here today can testify to the fact that Jesus found you and you now say, come on now. How many of you, thank God you're on your way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas right now. Amen. Thank God for the fact that he saved us. And today, listen carefully. If you are, if you are lost today, you can be found. You can be saved. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the Bible says in Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray. And every one of us has turned uh, to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that's why Jesus came. He came and he paid a great price on Calvary's cross. Somebody say another amen. Through his blood, you know, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of what? Sin. What happened with Adam and Eve there in the garden? They, they, they sinned. And from that day until now, the Bible says all of us are born in sin. And in sin did our mother conceive us. We're natural born sinners. How many of you realize that? Did, if any, did anybody have to teach you how to be ugly to your sister? It just came? Natural. Did anybody have to teach you how to be ugly to your spouse? I said, did anybody? You didn't, nobody taught you. It just comes natural. We're just natural born sinners. And the reason for the fact that we're sinners, that's why Jesus came to pay for our sin with his own blood. How many of you appreciate the cross today? And so who is God looking for? The first, the first priority of God in the earth. He's looking for those who are lost, who are without Christ. And when you study the gospels and you study the ministry of Jesus, you will discover a number of, of teachings and parables that reveal the fact that God is on the lookout for that which is lost or that which has yet to be found for those sheep who have gone astray. Look in Matthew chapter 13, if you will. Let me show you a little story about the parable of the pearl of great price. And there's some misunderstanding about this little simple short parable in Matthew chapter 13. It says this, 
about uh, uh, the pearl of great price. It says in verse 45, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. The heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Now you better get ready because you're you're about to find out you're a beautiful pearl. And it says, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Some people think Jesus is the pearl of great price. Not true. You are the pearl of great price. Humanity was the pearl of great price. And God gave all he had, which was his only son, and paid a great price so he could obtain that pearl of great price and and be able to uh, 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 obtain you again and get you back into his possession all over again. Now flip over to Matthew 18. Let me show you this. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Matthew 18 verse 11. Look what he says. For the son of man has come to save that which was what? Lost. He's on the lookout for lost humanity. He always has been and he always will be. And look what he says. He came to save that which is lost. What do you think if a man had a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? The the answer is obvious. Yes, he leaves the ninety-nine who are in the fold and he goes to find that one that is lost. Now, don't misunderstand this this parable or this teaching right here. He's not talking about sheep who have been born into the house who go straying off. He's talking about people who are lost and without him. Some people have tried to tell me, Pastor, well, you better go get brother so-and-so. He's straight away from the fold. He's like one of those sheep. You got to leave those 99 and go get him. And I tell them basically this, no, he's not lost. He knows exactly where he is. Jesus is talking about those who have net to know, name the name of Christ. The first priority of God is to find and seek and to save those which are lost. And to shine the light of God's word upon their life so they can be born again into the family and come into the sheepfold, if you will, into the family of God and be able to enjoy the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. How many of you appreciate the fact that he found you this morning? Say it again one more time. Amen. If you're here today and you've never been saved, guess what? He came to, he came to find you. You're here for a special reason today. If you've never confessed Christ as the Lord and the leader of your life, if you've never confessed him as the, as the savior of your life and yielded your life to his control, today you can be found by him. In fact, the Bible says the, the way you become born again into the family of God is through faith in him and what he's done for you on the cross. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, Romans says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be what? saved. Listen, I gave our baptismal candidates a little lesson about baptism. I said, it's a picture. How many of you know a picture is worth a thousand words? Baptism is a picture of what Christ did for us and what happened to us. And we're, Romans 6 says, we're buried with him through baptism unto death. We're burying the old man. And, and, and guess what? Jesus didn't stay in the tomb, did he? Y'all waiting for Easter to amen me on resurrection. I mean, you get close to resurrection, everybody will start getting giddy because that's where the life comes. He was, we were buried with him through baptism unto death and what? Raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. 
We have new life in him. So today, if you've never experienced that, all you've got to do is put your trust and confidence in him and yield your life to his control and governance and, 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 and invite him to be the Lord and the leader of your life. Amen. So I encourage you to do that. In fact, let's just pause right now. Let's just cover this right now. Let's bow our heads right now. I've got three more quick points, but let's just do this. Let's bow our heads today. And I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand. I'm not going to try to squeeze you to the altar. But today, very simply, you can be born again. You can be found by him in this moment right here. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Let me just say this. If you're here today and you've never really yielded your life to the control and the governance of God, you can do so today. It's by faith. It's not a religious thing you do. It's not, you know, step one, two, and three. It's just trusting him that he's the Lord and the leader of your life that he died for you on the cross that he paid for you with his sin with his blood paid for your sin and was raised in newness of life so you can have new life as well if you believe that put your trust in him you can be saved let's pray this prayer together everyone together say dear Lord Jesus thank you for dying on the cross for me I believe what you did for me on the cross that you were buried and you rose again the third day so I could have new life. Thank you for paying for my sin with your blood. I invite you to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I give you my heart. I give you my life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, hey, welcome to the family of God. And I don't know who all might have been here who prayed that for the first time, but the Bible says if you prayed that, uh, uh, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who comes into faith in Christ Jesus. So they're all rejoicing today. So let's all rejoice in faith that somebody was born again this morning. Hallelujah. God's looking for someone to save today. And I pray today, if you were lost, that today he found, you were found by him uh, right here at Church on the Rock North. And everybody said one more amen. And then once he finds you, then he's looking for some other things in you. He's not only looking for someone to save, but the Bible teaches us that God is looking for someone to serve. Everyone say, someone to serve. Now, Jesus came to, to not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. He did his part. He served us and gave his life a ransom for many. And now the Bible teaches that those who have given their life to him, he's looking for somebody who's willing to serve him and fulfill his purpose in the earth. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse nine says this. I would encourage you to turn there or write it down and just really look at that, look at it in depth later. Second Chronicles 16, verse nine says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. In other words, he's looking for somebody. The eyes of the Lord are, are, are run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal towards him. He's looking for a loyal heart. And really, that's a heart of service and sacrifice. A heart of surrender. 
a heart of serving the will of God. And I pray today that you fit the bill. I pray today that something on the inside of you, because of what he's done for you on Calvary's cross, something on the inside of you, it says, I want to serve him all the days of my life. I want to give him my life. I really do want him to be the Lord and the leader of my life. And I want him to look down upon me and see a loyal, faithful servant's heart for his kingdom purposes. It's interesting to me when God picks us. In fact, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. I have some reasons to believe that all of us have the call of God on our life to serve him. There's some biblical basis for that. But not all of God's kids are in faithful surrender and service to him because they've not yielded their lives to the place of lordship where he can use them the way he so desires. A great study of this in the Old Testament would be the study of Saul and David. How many of you know Saul was man's choice? Saul was man's choice. He fit the bill from a a natural perspective. He was strong in stature, but his heart was not right with God. And in Saul's mind, it was all about him. It was not about God. And so as a result, the Bible says, in fact, Acts records this in Acts 13, 22. It says, and when he, that is God, had removed him, speaking of Saul, and when he had removed him, this is Acts uh, 13, 22, when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse. Did you catch that? God found him. God was looking for him. Oh, I wish I had time to tell the story how the prophet came to Jesse's house and he looked at, in fact, I just will. Uh, he looked at all the sons and David was the little one. He went, the Bible says he was a ruddy in appearance. He was the youngest of the bunch and he had some older brothers who were strong in stature and, 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 the, and the prophet Samuel looks at, oh, that's gotta be him. No, it's not him. And you know what, what God said to him? God, hey, man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And there's little David. He didn't even make the lineup. He's still out in the sheep field because he's still a little ruddy character. Ruddy kind of means red. Makes me think he's a little pimple-faced kid. He hadn't quite got through puberty yet. And God looked down and said, I see his heart. And that's what the Bible says here in Acts. It says God resisted Saul. He rejected him. He removed him. But he went on the lookout and he found David. Glory to God. Little David playing on his harp out in the shepherd field. He had a heart after God. A heart to serve him. And it says he was a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Wow. The eyes of the Lord are still running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself faithful to those whose hearts are loyal towards him. See, God's looking for the lost. He's looking for someone to save. But he's also looking for someone to serve. I hope you and I fit the bill this morning I hope God can say of us I found old Sam I found Ross I found Jim I found Robert I found Mark who are faithful towards me 
who will do all my will. Amen. Who's God looking for? He's on the lookout for the lost. Those who, are, who need to be saved. He's looking out for a servant. In fact, look what David said to Solomon once David became king. And he's about to pass on the baton to his son Solomon in, in 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9. Look what he says. If you want to write it down, you can. Here's what he says in 1 Chronicles 28 9. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart. Wow. I'm so appreciative of Joshua and Lauren, their testimony. I have a great confidence in the fact that, that they are raising our grandchildren as well as uh, Brent and Stacy, raising our grandchildren to serve the Lord. And here's David passing on this baton of, 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 of surrender to, to God and his will. He tells his son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. And so today, you and I, where do we stand with God? I pray today, and I hope today, and I desire today that God will find me with a heart of surrender to Him that says, not my will, but your will be done. I want to do your will all the days of my life. Amen. You know, I've been doing this a while, and I've seen the effects of an unloyal or unsurrendered heart to the will of God. I've seen the side effects. People who gain the whole world, but they lose their soul because they didn't surrender it to the will and ways of God in their life. God is looking for someone to save. He's looking for someone to serve Him. And number three, I love this one. Out of us this morning, I hope He finds this. God is looking not only for someone to save and someone to serve Him, but someone to stand for Him. Someone who will take a stand and resist the evil influence of the world that we live in. It's time to take a stand. Tell somebody. Give somebody a little high five or a tap on the shoulder. It's time we take a stand for him. It's time we stand up. You know, they say if you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. I believe that's really true. And we see that God is on the lookout for someone to take a stand. Ezekiel 20, 22 verse 30. God says, for I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it but I found no one wow Ezekiel the prophet Ezekiel records the prophetic insight of God and who he's looking for. He said, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall. He's talking about somebody who would stand up and stand in the gap against the evil influences of the day and be as it were a wall of resistance. Listen, mamas and daddies, grandma, grandpa, sons and daughters. God's people, God wants to raise them up to be a wall of resistance against the influence of the world we're in the world but we shouldn't be of the world come on 
And as we talked about last week, we don't need to be conformed to this world, but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. There's a will of God for your life, but understand something. There is a world out there trying to conform you into its image and conform your children and your children's children into its image. You know what? I may not be the best preacher in town. I may not be, we may not be the biggest church in town, but let me tell you something. I'm going to stand before God one day and I'm going to give account, not on how good I preach, but how I stood against the evil influences and I did my best to raise my children and this church in a, in the revelation understanding that you got to stand up for him and resist the influence of the world that is trying to conform you into its image. Are you with me? Say amen. Listen today. There is a, there is a spiritual culture in this world. Listen, everything that sounds good is not God. There is a watered down gospel. Listen, there is a watered down milk toast gospel that has allowed unrighteousness and unholy living to creep in and say, it's okay. It's not okay. And like we said last Sunday, hey, there's some things about the Bible that just say it's not okay. And it, hey, if it's always, if it's been wrong, it's always wrong. Come on, somebody say amen. We've got to take a stand. Wow. You saw just a few weeks ago as football season began, what was the, was it Kuntz, the cheerleaders at Kuntz and all their, their scripture references. Oh, it got, it got na- international news. I'm going, look at there's Kuntz on Fox TV. That's amazing. Because some little girls and guys said, we're taking a stand. I said, because some guys and girls said, we're taking a stand. And it's kind of funny to me. The kids took a stand all the... All the parents looked around and said, okay, and they're not shooting at us. Okay, we'll jump in with them. Amen. That's pretty cool. God's looking for someone. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. Looking for someone who will build up a wall and stand in the gap. You see, the walls have been broken down. I think of Nehemiah, when he looked at Jerusalem, the walls were broken down, their gates were burned with fire, and God raised up Nehemiah as a gap standard to build the wall. And what was an impossibility became a miraculous, uh, uh, you read Nehemiah, in 52 days the wall was rebuilt, a miraculous rebuilding of the wall. Some of you are all undone about the political uh, tenor and, uh, of, of the world we live in. Listen, it's time for the church to be the church. It's time the church to, to, to turn the tide and re, retweak, as we talked about last Sunday, the moral compass of America. You see, if the church has got a watered down, who cares gospel? How, how, how come? The, hey, we can't blame the world for being so ungodly if we've led it into our own lives. God's looking for someone to save. He's looking for someone to serve. He's looking for someone to stand Take a stand and, and resist the evil influence. I'm reminded in Deuteronomy 9 of Moses. Deuteronomy 9, you can read it later. Verse 13 tells the story. God had had enough of his rebellious kids. Let me ask you, parents. Have you ever snapped? Nobody lifted their hand. Parents, have you ever snapped? I got my hand up too. My kids are here. They know. I've snapped. Well, in a righteous sense, God had had enough 
And he tells Moses this, get out of the way. I'll make of you and yours a great nation. But these, they're toast. That's my translation. They're fixing to be crispy critters. Now, God had every right to do what he said he was going to do. Some people say, well, um, uh, hey, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. If he wants to turn us into crispy critters today, so be it. If it's what he wants. But Moses interceded for the people. God had made up his mind. Now, you got to get this. At least in Moses' understanding and our reading of Scripture, God had made up his mind the Jews are crispy critters. Get out of the way. Moses stands and, and he said, listen, if you do that, all the, uh, the, all the worldly people out there, all the Hittites and all the uglyites, they're going to look and say, look what you did to your own kids. You can't do that. Uh, and, and, and you know what? God relented. He changed his mind based upon a man, a human being, standing in the gap for the people. Not a nation standing in the gap. Maybe two. You tell me. If God doesn't love you just like he loved Moses, he'll listen to you. If you've got cred with him, now if you're not serving him, you have no cred. If you're lost, you have no cred because he can't really interact with you until you you allow yourself to be found by him. So you need to be saved. He's looking for somebody who he can save. He's looking for somebody who who will be willing to serve him. Now, if you're serving him, you got great cred with him. And you can stand in the gap for your family, for your community, for your world. I don't want to read too much into this, but Rose Satterfield's been bedridden for how long now? Two years? When we go see her, her spirit is still as much alive and her, her body is just wearing out. But you know what? You know what Rose has done for many, many years now? She stood in the gap for her family. We tried our best to be able to get her here. It's just not feasible. But today we got a whole branch of her family back there because Rose Satterfield stood in the gap. Her husband, Charles, who's in heaven today, got baptized right over there before the sanctuary was ever sanctuary in a, in a horse trough, the first baptismal we ever had, right over there. How did that happen? Because little Miss Rose was standing in the gap. Who's God looking for today? 
He's looking for somebody to save. I hope you got saved just a few moments ago. He's looking for somebody who'll serve him with their whole heart like David did and like David told his son Solomon to do. To serve him with your whole heart. Serve the God of your father with a, with a, with a loyal heart. And number three, he's looking for someone who's, who, who's sick and tired of being sick and tired. Who's, hey, who's had all they can stand and they can't stand no more. Therefore, they're going to take a stand against what evil and unrighteousness has invaded their world say no more and then finally today from my reading of scripture let me just say let me just throw out a couple of options just to get get you started here I was about to skip this for the sake of time but you know what he's looking for somebody who'll take their stand at the place of prayer the place of repentance Nehemiah repented for the people You know what I did this morning? I'm not tooting my horn, just to kind of give you a little illustration. You know what I did for you this morning? I stood in the gap for you at the place of prayer. You know what I'm learning about the prayer life of leaders? The prayer life of leaders is focused more upon others and future rather than yesterday and today. You know, most people's prayers focus on yesterday. And today, I need you to, to, and hey, that's understandable. But leaders, their prayer life has to change. Can't be about yesterday and just today. It's got to be about tomorrow and about others. And we stand in the gap of the place of prayer. We look at the condition of our world and not, not just America, around the world. I said last Sunday, we live in a fragile world. Listen, God's bigger than than anything but he has limited himself to partner with us at the place of prayer and so we stand in the gap God's looking for gap standards I tell people all the time don't complain if you're not praying and I learned something if you're praying you're not complaining you're believing God and trusting God amen and finally today I'm going to end on a high note. The Bible says God's looking not only for somebody to save and somebody to serve and somebody to stand, but he's looking for somebody to sing. He's looking for somebody who will worship him. Not only with their words, but with their life. I love what the Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 23. And the context is him ministering to the, the, the woman there by the well. And, and uh, she had come. And, and, and long story short, he, she began to be religious with him. When he got all up in her, as Mestia Grider says, got up all in her Kool-Aid. I don't really know what that means. But she said, I didn't mean to get up all in your Kool-Aid today, preacher. But uh, So if you understand what that means, I, I, I think business, get all up in your stuff. Jesus got up all up in her Kool-Aid and she's trying to be spiritual and, and she, he said, well, go get your husband. And she said, well, <laughs> see, she had missed the first two or three of these that I'm talking about. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, well, you're right about that. You don't have one. You've had five. And the one you're living with, shacking up with now, you don't even have papers on him. And she got real spiritual. And she said, Lord, I perceive that thou art a prophet. He got all up in her Kool-Aid. So then she started trying to talk spiritual about worship on this mountain. Our father's this mountain, that mountain. Jesus kind of set her straight. He said, let me tell you something. True worshipers. Everybody say true worshipers. 
True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Everybody say spirit and in truth. Look at this. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is looking for somebody who will live a life that brings glory and honor to God. Listen to me today. Let me set you straight this morning. Is it okay if I set you straight this morning about worship? I did a little bit last Sunday. Let me do it a little more. Let me, let me tell you something. True worshipers worship him in spirit and in truth. Let me use a little pastoral. Uh, 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 let me just kind of uh, expound on that a minute. It could mean a lot of different things. But let me tell you something. I'm going to use it this way. Did you know true worship moves you beyond the altar into everyday life? It's not just about the song service. It's about your daily service. It's not just about the words you say. It's about the way you live that brings glory and honor to God. In fact, the Bible chastises lip service to God. You see, true worshipers, it's not just about the song service. It's about the way I live. I've seen people, they come in church, man, they put on a show. Woo, glory to God. They go out and live like the devil. Something wrong with that. With our mouth, we bless God, and with our mouth, we curse men. What's wrong with that? Something wrong there. Who's God looking for? He's on the lookout for the lost. He's on the lookout for those who need to be saved. He's on the lookout for those who will serve Him with a loyal heart. All the days of their life, He's on the lookout for someone who will take a stand against the unrighteousness of this life. Not unrighteous people, the unrighteousness of life. Come on. We don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We're to love everybody. I said we're to love everybody. We hate sin. We love sinners. Everybody say, we hate sin, but we love sinners. We're in the world, but not of the world. We love sinners. We take our stand against the, the, the sin's influence into our life and say, enough is enough. And then we choose to be what God's looking for. It's someone who will live a life of worship. You say, preacher, I can't sing a lick. It's not about the tone of your voice but about the tenor of your life. Let's stand together today. As we conclude this service, may it be a, not a conclusion, but a beginning and a launching pad for you this week to examine yourself and examine your life to see if you're what God's looking for today. Who's God looking for? He's looking for you. I'll never forget. I'll never forget where he found me. I thank God for a mother who stood in the gap for me as a little boy. How she prayed for me. But I'll never forget where he found me. In fact, if you 
months ago, maybe a year or so ago, Beverly and I took a little drive through my little hometown in Red Oak, Texas. I pulled up to the little church, the little Baptist church that back then seemed so big, but now was so small. And I can take you inside, march you over to the left side about halfway up, plop you down in a little pew where he found me. Where he saved me. I can take you to the country in the heart of Jerusalem. We're laying on a hotel bed in the middle of the night. He found me and he called me. He set me apart to do his will and purpose all the days of my life. He's looking for all of us today. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Father, today as we close this service, may it not be a conclusion, but a launching pad for us to be what God is looking for. To be someone who has allowed themselves to be found by you. To be someone who is like you, come to serve and not be served. And even as you give our life as a ransom for the will of God. To be someone who will stand against the unrighteousness of this life. The worldly system that the devil has placed to conform us. Lord, let us take our stand. Build up a wall of resistance. to The evil influence of this world at the place of prayer, at the place of repentance. Lord, let us be a people who sing you're seeking such to worship you with every head bowed and every eye closed I speak a blessing over you today to be what God is looking for to be the kind of dad God is looking for to be the kind of wife God is looking for To be the kind of employee or employer that God is looking for. To be the kind of grandparents that God is looking for. To be the kind of young man or young woman that God is looking for today. It's a partnership, you see. He did his part on Calvary's cross. He did his part by sending the Holy Spirit. Now we do our part by living the life. everybody said amen if you're here today and you prayed that prayer earlier you gave your life to Christ I want to encourage you to do something at the close of this service I see Jim and Trish Glenn and Linda are here Ryan's here they'll be hanging around up here if you prayed that prayer and you invited Jesus to be the Lord and the leader of your life I want to encourage you to come the Bible says if you confess me before men I'll confess you before my father in heaven I want to encourage you to come and take them by the hand. All you got to do is say, I prayed that prayer of salvation during the service today. And they'll do the rest. They'll pray for you, give you some helpful tools to keep you moving forward, get you plugged in to get baptized, potentially get you plugged in to join the church. 
If you're here today and you've never really joined Church on the Rock North and you believe I'm your pastor and this is your church home, I want to encourage you to come and say, we believe God is adding us to this church and we're going to sign on the dotted line. You see, I've signed on the dotted line to buy cars, houses, uh, all kinds of things. And, and hey, I'll be glad to sign on the dotted line to serve my church and to be a part of the family of God. You know, we've dumbed down commitment in America, commitment to the church. We need to raise the bar of commitment. Say, hey, I'm making a commitment not only to God, to my local church. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Come here and say, we believe God is adding us to Church on the Rock North. They'll be glad to help you, give you all the information you need, get you moving in the right direction. If you have prayer need for anything, they'll be here. And everybody love the Lord. Say amen. If you're part of our small groups on Wednesday night, we'll encourage you to come Wednesday night. Let's finish strong.